1: And good evening, and uh, it's that time of the year Try Just try getting some productivity done at the office or anywhere this next week Good luck, I wish you that Uh, The holidays are upon us I wish everybody a uh, Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah, cool Kwanzaa And pretty much any way you celebrate the holidays uh, We're happy to have you aboard here On winning ponies. So uh, appreciate you listening. Hope everybody has a great holiday season. It's going to be a brown Christmas where I am. uh, But either way, I hope you surround yourself with family and friends and uh, have a wonderful holiday season. All right. Tonight, Anna Ford is with us. This should be television to have Anna on. But we've got her on this communication format. And uh, Anna And her mother, actually her mother, I believe Dottie, uh, started new vocations. And over 6,000, think of that number, over 6,000 retired Thoroughbreds and Standardbreds have been placed in qualified homes through new vocations. Uh, The horses have come from 40 different racetracks and have been adopted by families throughout the country. And if you're in the mood for a little holiday giving, we're going to give you uh, some contacts at the end of the interview uh, where you can uh, help the folks over to new vocations. I I, I know from uh, personal experience, they've done an outstanding job at what they do. So Anna's going to tell us about the development of the program through her mother's first involvement, and then on to see how the program has grown. Uh, It it is amazing how it has, but to think about 6,000. It was founded back in 1992. So, you know, All I can say is uh, you'll find her very engaging, and certainly what she's done and how they do it is extremely interesting. And then, folks, it's that time of the year again. That's right. It's the time of the year that we go back and kind of look at 2019. And the gentleman that's going to join me there is none other than Rich Ng the author of Handicapping for Dummies, but he's also writes for the Daily Racing Forum. He's been a writer for the Las Vegas Review. He's on numerous uh, radio formats out in the Las Vegas uh, area. So he, he has a great uh, vision of racing, always has. And uh, so we're going to talk to uh, to Rich Ng about uh, everything that happened in 2019. Well, Here's one that kind of caught us off guard. I don't know about you. <laughs> looks like it caught the racing world. Uh, the Pegasus World Cup dropped their purses, and it's going to be run medication-free. The combined purses for the two Pegasus races dropped to $4 million. Now, you don't have to pay a half a million or a million-dollar entry fee. They're waived, but uh, I think they're going to have to waive the entry fee in order to get horses to go in. So, um the uh, medication free purses of three million and 1 million for the the two races and uh, so you know it, it'll be very interesting the Stronach group uh, is at the reins um, so uh, it's uh, been, not exactly well received uh, by a lot of people. I mean, the fact that there's no entry fees, uh, yes. But if you go back, uh, you know, through the history of this race, I mean, remember in 2017, it was the Pegasus World Cup. That was the only race, but it offered a $12 million purse in its first year. And remember this, $16 million in 2008. Now, they added the World Turf Cup uh, in 2019 and, uh, the person, remember they run this in January, the purse was split 9 million for the dirt and 7 million for the turf. So, uh, a big purse cut in the Pegasus. It'll be interesting to see what happens now. Maximum security is a horse. Of course, uh, eye popping performances of late, uh, probably the three-year-old champ, um, Owner Gary West said the announcement of uh, to combat, com- they cut 12 million from its purses for uh, the Pegasus World Cup Invitational and the Turf Invitational. The Gary West said that uh, the star of the season, perhaps kicking off the season, that was a four-year-old. Maximum security um, is kind of iffy uh, for the race. Very questionable. That he will run in the race. So the dirt race was cut by two thirds from 9 million to 3 million. And uh, so West is strongly considering altering his plans for the 2020 campaign. Uh, Of course, the cigar mile was just awesome. So now he's looking perhaps at the $20 million Saudi Cup at the King Abdulaziz racetrack in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, for the Colt. Um, he said, cutting the purse to $3 million is an absolute game changer. Uh, I wasn't thinking about the Saudi Cup, but why should I run for $3 million when I can run for $20 million four weeks later? That's a substantial change. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do. We're 50-50 that we'll go in the Saudi race, uh, but you don't get a horse like Maximum Security uh, that... Uh, often he could also go in the 12 million dollar uh dubai world cup and uh so aside from the purse reductions uh they've announced that uh, as we stated that they're banning the use of race day medication lasix uh but that, that's not going to be part of west decisions though it is some other trainings uh the turf race was sliced from seven million to one million and and west you know Like, a lot of us just said he's mystified and bewildered and upset with the timing of the official announcement coming just 41 days before the race. Obviously, something like this you point to all season long. And, uh, you know, he just said that, uh, you know... I'm extremely disappointed in the Stronach Group for waiting this long to tell horsemen they're making such a major change in their race. It's one of the biggest changes in purse structure in the history of racing, and I think the Stronach Group has handled it very poorly. I don't think it's right at all. That said, I realize it's their track, it's their race, it's their money, and they can do anything they want. But if I were in charge, I would have been a lot more transparent and truthful to all the owners and trainers involved. Uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see down the road how it affects it. Uh, Danny Gargan, who trains multiple graded stakes winner tax, also said the reduced purse has prompted him to reconsider plans uh, to run tax, uh, perhaps in some other spots and. According to Danny Gargan, his quote was, They changed the game. They changed the rules. He's in Florida and will train like he's going to run in the Pegasus, but I don't know if he will. I'm disappointed in the timing. You don't have people ship in for this race and do this. He said, I'd rather be fourth for 20 million than third for three. I can't believe they cut the purse like that. I come down here all pumped up about running in the race, and now it feels like a flat tire. <laughs> he just says, I was disappointed in the way it was handled. And this should have come out two months ago. Uh, and don't forget, the winner of the Saudi Cup received $10 million with $3.5 million for second, $2 million for third, and $1.5 million for finishing fourth. So horses like McKenzie, Midnight Bizu, Tactitus, and Mucho Gusto are among the top horses that are expressed interest in running in the Saudi Cup. And it looks like uh, Omaha Beach is still on track to run in the Pegasus Dirt. And that's going to be his final race. And he's going to begin his stud career over at beautiful, historic Spendthrift Farm. So, uh, you know, really catching a lot of people uh, off uh, balance. Another one is uh, trainer Chad Brown. Uh, he says, it's going to change my thought process. It's disappointing. The purse will not be as much, but I also understand you don't have to put it, put up the big entry fee. There's positives and negatives of the situation from Chad's standpoint, his client standpoint, it may change things in terms of what type of horses we may participate with. Obviously a very deep, deep stable. And, uh, you know, the, uh, When you hear about Chad Brown, maybe not coming. And he he points this out, too. He said Lasix potentially comes into play, and the purse as well, and making the decision. Uh, So... You know, Brown just became the first trainer to eclipse 30 million in North America in one year. And he says, if you're going to rest your horse during the winter, a $7 million purse can sway you to delay resting him and give up another engagement in order to run. He says, these type of things have to be decided on a horse by horse, client by client basis. And I want to take some time before we do that. So again, it'll it'll be interesting to see where they show up. Well, this was interesting news. Uh, this just out Um, That the district attorney in California said no animal cruelty at Santa Anita. It was an investigation by the task force assigned by the Los Angeles County District Attorney, uh, Jackie Lacey. Uh, said no evidence of animal cruelty or criminal wrongdoing from a spate of equine fatalities over the past year. Uh, there's a 17-page report called for numerous improvements, but uh, they've reviewed everything from autopsies to veterinarian races, training and medication records, and information determined from interviews with track experts. Uh, Santa Anita uh, executives, employees, horsemen. Uh, you know, the main thing is, they said it found no evidence supporting a supposition that Santa Anita Racing Management unduly pressured trainers to race their horses to increase field size. Uh, you you can find the seventeen-page report on the blood horse here's something interesting turfway and woodbine have combined to create an all-weather series so they're going to switch so uh the, the winner of the march 14th jeff ruby stakes will earn an entry into the may 9th marine stakes at woodbine and the winner of the bourbonette will be awarded a spot in Woodbine's May 10th Celine Stakes. And then at Woodbine, the winner of the Gray Stakes is guaranteed a spot in the Jeff Ruby, and the winner of the Mazarin Stakes has their placement in the Bourbonette Oaks. Uh, This was uh, my friend Tyler Picklesheimer, director of racing at Turfway, and Stuart Slagle, director of thoroughbred race planning at Woodbine, came up with the idea. So, uh You you know, you want to talk about synthetic tracks. Turfway was the first track in North America to race on it uh, back before its 2005 meet. Okay, trying to wrap this up. Brian Hernandez Jr. has been on the show several times. Of course, he rode Fort Larned to victory in the Breeders' Cup Classic. This afternoon, he hit the 2,000 win mark, and... uh, This is great. It was a family affair. It always has been for the Hernandez family. Among the jockeys greeting Hernandez was his brother, Colby, who's currently the leading rider at the fairgrounds meet. His father, obviously, his name, Brian Hernandez, Brian being a junior. And uh, he's a former rider that works at the track now. And his sister, Angela, uh, who rode professionally, I don't know that she is anymore. He's one of those great... Lafayette, Louisiana, natives, grew up on the back of a horse. And, of course, he went on to become the champion apprentice rider. Uh, congratulations uh, to, to uh, Brian. Also, if he didn't get to see this, this is pretty funny. And you, you could find this video up. I know I found it on the Blood Horse. The jockeys Silvio Amador and Julian Croton are being suspended for 30 days. Uh, you can see it on social media. It shows Colton on all of you no more, drops his crop leading the final turn. And so he's coming from the rear of the pack and picking up momentum, pulls alongside Amador, who is uh, fading aboard Bell Maggie, and they appear to communicate. You see him turn his head, and all of a sudden... (laughs) Amador gives Colton his crop, and then he used it to a big, strong finish. Didn't get the win, but he finished third at seven to two. Well, it's kind of funny to watch, but I guess it's not funny if you're serving out a uh, a 30-day suspension. Uh, as always, want to thank uh, my handicapping guest uh, from last week, Mary Rampolini, and Derby points given out to none other than Steve Asmussen, who trained shoplifted. Now, this horse has been banging heads against some of the best, coming out of three straight grade ones. And uh, the uh, the move to the springboard mile turned out to be a good one. Of course, this horse sold for $800,000. Uh, he owns his connections, some money along the way. But Asmussen has him back. No equipment change or anything. As always, uh, Ricardo Santana in the saddle. Those guys had just a fan. Fantastic day uh, over at Remington. Uh, also uh, taking the uh, the trapeze stakes again. These races uh, were on Monday, uh, so uh, he, he owns Remington. He ended up winning the Remington Park uh, riding title. And let's not forget last Sunday, she's all in a hundred thousand dollar magical was the name of the horse trained by Assmussen. Ridden by Santana. Was a change this time. Blinkers on. He ran down the leader in the final 16th. So those were the races from a track we don't handicap too much around here, Remington Park. And of course, coming up this week. The biggest race, the Mr. Prospector, you're going to check this out. You can, you can talk about the field, but there's only two horses in here as far as I'm concerned. Imperial Hint, who's a vet scratch from the Breeders' Cup Sprint, coming in off a layoff since September 28th at Belmont. He's not uh, injured anymore, and there'll be no vet scratch. He's been working nothing but bullets at Monmouth Park. Uh, so he is wound up ready to go. He's at even money, but right behind him it's 7 to 5. Is XY Jet, one of the quickest horses, particularly in the early part of a race, uh, he's won over $3 million and only 25 lifetime starts. He hasn't raced since March 19th, so it'll be very interesting to see these two extremely fast horses match sprides. Strides in the Mister Prospector at Gulfstream Park. All right, that's enough of the first portion. That's national news and updating you. And up next, after this break, we're going to talk to the leader of New Vocations. She does an angel's work, Anna Ford. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies,
2: streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track?
0: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast
2: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
1: All right. Well, I kind of read a resume at the top of the show. Anna Ford's a graduate of the Ohio State University, (laughs) who has both basketball and football programs this week, I believe, in the top four in uh, each of their sports. Uh, She's a world champion equestrian. Uh, She studied and instructed internationally, is a master's certified through the Certified Horseman's Association. She's an author. She published the book, Beyond the Track, Retraining the Thoroughbred from Racehorse to Riding Horse. And she won the American Horse Publications Award and the Dr. Tony Ryan Book Awards back when she penned that. So uh, she's a woman of many talents, including all of her, you know, equestrian abilities. Uh, But the most important uh, thing is that the work that she does in retooling racehorses, whether it be thoroughbreds or standard breds. Anna Ford, welcome to Winning Ponies. It's been a while.
3: It has. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I, I've i known you for years, and, uh, you know, I finally, oh, I think about two years ago, I got to meet your mother. Is it Dottie? Dot, yeah, that. Dot. Dot, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, so take us back. Because New Vocations, I believe, started with her vision.
3: It did. Um, so uh, Dot Morgan, uh, my mom, she started the program in 1992. Um, and obviously, back then, I always say the word aftercare wasn't even used um, with thoroughbreds or standardbreds at the time. It just wasn't part of a really big topic within the industry. And, um She started it because she saw there was a need and that there were so many thoroughbreds um, that when they were done racing that um, people were just giving them away. And she, at the time, was a 4-H advisor and was like, oh, my goodness, you're giving all these perfectly wonderful horses, athletic horses away. And I've got all these, you know, students that are amazing riders, but they can't afford a fancy horse. You know, if we could just get these horses a little bit of training, we could, um, provide them, you know, with a really good home with really capable hands. Um, so that's where New Vocation started and, um, she started there in a little town in Ohio called Lara Ohio and, and, um, first year, I think she took in 25 horses and now we're taking in over 500.
1: Unbelievable. Well, New Vocations now has locations in five different states Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New York, and Louisiana, unless you've added one since I pulled down this release. Um, <laughs> no, <that's> it's, right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing how it's grown. Now, um, let's describe to our listeners the process. Okay, I've got a horse that uh, has run through its conditions. It's it's done me well. Let's just say it's a gelding, Um, and uh, he he served me well. uh, But he's just not he's not fast enough to win races anymore. I'm not a rider. I don't know what to do with him. Uh, He's uh, he's he's in he's in pretty good shape. Probably has a few uh, you know. Nicks on him somewhere from his years of of racing. How, how do I contact you? What's the process?
3: Sure. So um, first of all, we, it's very simple. Um, you can go to our website, it's and um, our all of our contact information is on there. So um, you know, if you're an owner or trainer looking to retire a horse, you can either email us through our website or call us on the phone number there and. And we'll walk you through the process, and it's fairly simple. The first step is, and again, this is on our website. You fill out a, a form, basically we call it donor form or donor application, and you give us all the information on the horse, and um, and then we'll fo- as soon as we get all of that information, then we follow back up with um, the person submitting it to, to get additional details and and because um, you know we get I'd say anywhere from 10 to 20 inquiries a week for horses to come in. Wow. And so, you know, we're constantly um, working with getting, you know, getting the horses in. So uh, it's very important for us to be able to know, you know, what why they're retiring. You know, the number one reason is due to an injury. So if they have an injury, you know, if there's vet records, x-rays, ultrasounds available, that's always helpful for us. So then we can um, lay out a rehab plan if needed, Um, And also we can just have a history. So when we do start working with a horse, we can watch for things um, and then pass it on to whoever adopts the horse. So, but the main thing is that people, you know, visit our website, newvocations.org. You can really just click on donate a horse and it walks you through the process.
1: All right. Now I've done that process. I've gone through it. Uh, I show up, the horse comes off the trailer. Now he's used to you know, going from track to track and all of a sudden he's coming to uh, a place in any one of these states that's, you know, a, a different environment. What do you do to kind of uh, rewire a thoroughbred horse to tell him, mm-hmm. hey, look, every time I take you out of the barn, I'm not asking you to go as fast as you can. Right. Yeah. So and
3: all of our facilities, we, we pretty much have the same program and, you know, a horse comes in, um... We, every, you know, they all get stalled. You know, the server, they're used to being stalled 23 hours a day. So um, all of our facilities are set up for every horse to have their own stall. And then we slowly transition them to being turned out. We have all of our facilities have smaller, whether they're round pins or smaller lots, that they can, you know, slowly get back adapted to being outside. And you're right, you know, they, they're, if you just turned them out in a big field, that could be disastrous. So we, we slowly introduce them into being turned out again and obviously when they were younger that was their life so they do adapt back to that. Um, We also buddy them up with another horse and that's normally a huge step and something that speeds up the process because if we can buddy them up with a horse that's already been there done that knows where to go in the field knows where the water is knows how to act while you're being outside Um, the new ones tend to follow and that's great. So we really just focus on letting them naturally let down from a very high, uh, highly structured um, routine to a more relaxed, laid-back lifestyle. Um, and, and some of them, it, within a couple of days, they're just right at home, and then others, it takes a couple of weeks to just get them to relax. Um, and then once we get them to that stage, uh, we say when they're both physically and mentally ready, then we'll start working with them. Um, on the ground and start riding them and seeing, you know, what uh, what their interests might be. All of our trainers at each one of our farms are very well versed in the multitude of equine disciplines that are out there. And so they're watching everything from how the horse moves to how the horse behaves to considering, you know, if they have any limitations due to an old injury um, to then best, you know, figure out what the next career is going to be. Um, so that when, when we do put them up for adoption, we can promote them that way.
1: Well, um, I, I know I've seen some great photos on your site, and I'm on your newsletter. Uh, uh, I receive it in my box all on a regular basis, which, by the way, you people do a great job with your social media. Um, I see these uh, pictures of you know horses going over jumps, uh, younger riders, uh, medium-age riders, uh, different people, you know, performing, I'll, I'm going to say dressage, but it's not dressage, Just taking horses through through a routine. Uh, I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's the next level. And do, do you slowly, does he gain confidence in you and you gain confidence in him? And how does that work before you start offering him up for adoption? Well, you
3: know, it, we call it more of a transitional training because they're already you know, broke to ride. And, um, the, you know, we try to look at their history too, because you can tell a lot if you can figure out where the horse was, um, broke and grew up, you can, you know, the ones that are handled a lot more as a baby, if they've gone through a sale, um, then, you know, they've been handled a lot more as a, as a baby. And, um, if you know where they were broken then you kind of have an idea of, of how that route, you know, how that program was and what their foundation is. Um, but, you know, for us working with them, uh, there's just simple things that, that they don't necessarily do well. And that is stand by a mounting block. Like that's something very foreign to them. They've never been asked to do. So we work with them on that. Um, and we really just get them to be comfortable within our environment. And which, whether it's our indoor arena or this time of the year or an outdoor arena. And just being able to kind of take in the sights and sounds and be relaxed at that Um but as far as, you know, then working with them at different gates, walk, trot, canner, um, we're just doing all the basics of helping them be more balanced and bend and turn. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, the training methods here in, in America, um, there's not a lot of cross-training. You know, there's everybody's training to the left. Um, they might jog to the right, but they're always galloping to the left. And some of the other European countries where they can do some cross-training. Um, right. the Um Horses are a little bit more balanced naturally when they retire. So we have to do a lot of work on that kind of stuff. So it's it's really, you know, just the basics. Um And again, some horses go through that really quickly in our easy studies, and we can, you know, move right along through the process, and some, you know, take a little longer. And some of them don't really like being in an arena, and we just take them out on trail rides and, find what they really you know do like and enjoy
1: now i'm sure each horse develops through this process uh, over a different period of time at what point do you say hey uh, i think syracuse slu ready for a new home and then what's your next step for trying to uh you know get somebody to adopt the horse do they come and see it do you send a video uh how does that work
3: yeah, so again, once we have an idea of you know what the horse is and you know what would, what we feel their their next career you know would be um then we we'll, we put them up on our website and we provide photos and videos and a description of you know what we've seen and what we know about the horse what we feel like they would be best suitable for um go over all their positive attributes and some of their negative attributes and um and you know, today's equestrian, the number number one way they look for a horse is similar to you know shopping in general. It's online, so uh, we have a lot of visitors that that are googling and searching for you know thoroughbreds and standardbreds, and they find us and land on our site, and, and um, they start looking at our horses. And if they see one that they like, the next step is that every person that adopts from us has to fill out an application. Um, we're pretty stringent on that compared to some other just all-breed adoption programs. Um, we we know that our thoroughbreds and our standard are not for everybody. And so we feel it's very important that we try to put them in homes where people have a little bit more experience and they're not first-time horse owners. And because the thoroughbred specifically is, is not... Um, a good first time horse per se without somebody having good guidance. And, and so um, once they've been through the application process and we ask everything from, you know, what their financial status is. So can they afford a horse? um, They have to provide vet references and we do um, send reference uh, forms for vets to fill out and personal references. And we won't adopt somebody a horse unless we can get a positive vet reference that can state that the individual can care for uh, a retired racehorse and they've been to their facility and, and feel like it's a safe and suitable place. So once they get through that, then um, half of the people come and visit and see the horses and meet them and see them being ridden. Um, and believe it or not, the other half will adopt sight unseen just through our videos and, and photos and they'll talk to our trainers and you know, our trainers do our be- do their best to try to match you know, each person up with the right horse.
1: All right. Well, it's the Christmas season. It's the time of giving, and I'm going to lead with this, and then get into some of the other uh, uh, gifts that you'd be more than happy to accept. Uh, Is right now, if somebody wanted to had somebody that was an experienced rider and wanted to get them a horse, you're having a Christmas sale, fifty percent off. Is that true?
3: Yeah, that's right. So, and generally, our adoption fees are fairly reasonable. Compared to you know um, what you're getting because you're really getting a, a phenomenal horse that's athletic that's been vetted that you know has a ton of experience um, and uh, for a fraction you know of what the horse is actually valued at. But our our policy has always been we'd rather find a horse at home quickly than ask a lot of money and you know be waiting for months on end and at the end of the year, we always do a Christmas special where all the adoption fees are half off and um, it is. It does tend to be our, our larger month last year. I think we had 40 adoptions just in December.
1: That's awesome. Well, um, I, uh, all I can say is, you know, even if you're not, even if you just listen to Anna and you want to go to new vocations and check out what they do, uh, if you're just a horse lover, there's a lot of different ways you can help at every single level. I mean, there's a level for, uh, you know, Gift essentials like vaccines. You can uh, get a horse a winter blanket. Uh, you can get a horse a set of shoes. Um, a, a, a gift vet or chiropractic care. It kind of moves its way up, but everybody has a different purse structure, um, and it, it, it's just fantastic, Anna, that um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all they need to go. I'm not going to each level, but they'll see what they get for, for what they give, and uh, it, it truly is a marvelous thing that, uh, that you, your, your family's done, and uh, you, as the, the leader of no, New Vocations, have uh, watched the program expand to so many states. Um, I mean, it's just fantastic. So what's the best place to go for the people that are listening to say, hey, that sounds like a good idea. I want to A- adopt a horse or get one from my experienced rider, or B, that's a fantastic effort New Vocations does, and I'd love to make a donation. Um,
3: well, again, back to our website is the best place, newvocations.org, and you can, um, if you're interested in donating, um, you click on Donate, and it shows you the different areas, that, like you just mentioned, that you can donate. You can donate through our general operations, which is all of those things you just mentioned are... Um, We still have a capital campaign going where if you want your name on something at our our facility in Lexington, there's all kinds of options there. Um, For adoption, you can just click on Horses Available and you can look through all the different horses that we have um, at all the different facilities.
1: Anna Ford, that is awesome. Well, listen, we at Winning Ponies wish you nothing but the best. We hope we just gave you uh, some good publicity for, for the year ahead. So uh, mm-hmm. I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and I advise everybody that uh, if, if you got a big heart over this holiday season, check out New Vocations.
3: Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show tonight.
1: Well, happy to have you on Anna. We're going to take a quick break and we come back My Man in Vegas. That's right. The one the only Richings going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
2: The internet's number 1 talk station. Number 1 talk station. Voiceamerica.com. <laughs>
1: All right, and with me, a man that has his finger on the pulse of thoroughbred racing, uh, on many levels. Uh, he's one of our most popular guests. Uh, Rich Ng is with us. Of course, uh, uh, as we've had him on many times, you know that he is the author of Handicapping for Dummies. And uh, he also does some writing for the Racing Form, been associated with the Las Vegas Review. And if you just Google him, you can also find out some of the services that Rich provides horse players from around the country. Rich, how are you doing, my friend?
4: Hey, real good, John, and uh, let me just uh, publicly uh, wish uh, you and your family and friends a Merry Christmas, Happy uh, Holidays, and Happy New Year, and uh, to all the listeners out there. And uh, Now, one thing about Vegas is there was a time a long time ago, John, where December and January were real quiet, but uh, ever since they had the National Finals Rodeo come to town for the last couple of decades, this town was full of cowboys for the last 10 or 12 days, and Now we got the the football bowl game coming up over at Sam Boyd Stadium, the Vegas Bowl. So the winter is not a downtime anymore for us here in Vegas.
1: No, I remember when I used to go to the racetrack industry on a regular basis, we would route our flights back through Vegas and the national rodeos were always going on. It was just, it was almost like being on a movie set. You know, you'd be in a casino and all these guys are going by with the big old belt buckles, their cowboy hats, pretty girls on their arms. It was (laughs) like, yee (laughs)
4: But, yeah, uh, everybody kind of looked like uh, John Wayne or uh, Gary Cooper with, uh, <laughs> with it, their yeah. cowboy outfits and their cowboy hats. It looked like the old west. <laughs>
1: they, they, they wear it well. Well, you know, R- Rich... Uh, you know, again, I'm calling you in as somebody that looks at the sport from a lot of sides and has some great opinions, mm-hmm. but there's little debate that 2009 has been a difficult one for thoroughbred breeding and racing. Uh, we've been tested like never before. Our very existence has been called into question uh, by many of the general public, some of our elected officials, na- national media outlets, and of course, our good friends at PETA um, have been (laughs) getting involved. Sometimes people that don't know enough about the game. Uh, But nonetheless, let's hope that everybody's doing it uh, out out of concern. And uh, we are seeing, I think philosophically uh, if, if you look at some of the recent articles uh, about the uh, the thoroughbred symposium for example um, and the Jockeys Guild and stuff like that that people that do have a real concern and there's just so many people in our industry that have conviction um, that uh, we're approaching this with new vigor new ideas and a sharpened sense of what's at stake and maybe it's been a wake-up call for the industry.
4: Well, a wake-up call for sure. I, I think certainly one of the biggest wake-up calls that, that we should have seen on the horizon was when the uh, dog racing industry in Florida was basically uh, legislated out of existence. I, I think twenty is 2020 the last year of dog racing, and then that uh, sport becomes extinct. And uh, you know, if that can happen to such a big industry in the state of Florida, that, that can happen to horse racing and in, in possibly some other states. But, you know, the evolution of horse racing, I, I think we have to change with the times. But we're no different than, you know, for example, like the National Football League or uh, the National uh, Hockey League. Now that we have the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm back spending a lot of time on, uh, on watching and reading about hockey. But, you know, those two professional sports, John, they have done an awful lot in the last few years trying to promote and change the rules for player safety. And, you know, our sport in its... Uh, in its history, uh, we basically may have to go the same route, but you know, that's a, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. The safety of the horses is paramount. The safety of the jockeys is paramount. And uh, if professional sports can make rules changes and things to protect the athletes in their games, well, we can do the same in our sport.
1: We can, and you know, I've always had guests on to uh, talking about helmet safety and you know safety of the jockeys and and things like that. Let's face it, in the sports you just named, though. there are injuries. If you're an athlete and you're competing at the highest level, you're going to get hurt. You can't say, oh, my God, you know, these horses are being led to slaughter. Well, it, it, is, is an injured linebacker in the NFL? Was he led to slaughter? You know, uh, was a lineman in, mm-hmm. in the NHL They got uh, checked up against the board and <laughs> had to go off for 20 states, whatever. It's going to happen in sports. Now, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but we've got to understand that it's it's part of any athletic competition. So, um, now, as you pointed out, the the most important meet in the history of Santa Anita uh, just concluded, and it may have had a huge impact on the rest of the country.
4: Yeah, well, you know, Santa Anita had a real rough uh, winter spring meet, and 2019, and, you know, it's pretty well documented. There were a lot of equine deaths, and they had some uh, record rainfall, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, uh, they weren't able to really handle it, I I think, uh, as well as they would have liked to with uh, the surface and things like that, but uh, they have certainly uh, spared no expense, no consultations with experts and things like that. To try to make this coming meet, which opens on December 26th, the day after Christmas, um, to get all their ducks in a row to make it as safe as possible. I know they've had the focus of the California governor on down to through the, some of the politicians taking a, an eye on horse racing, but you know, everyone's rooting for Santa Anita. We, we all actually has a, have a stock in, in their success because, you know, even though it's California, I know John, you're in Ohio and I'm in Vegas and Nevada but you know the sport of horse racing, we are tied into what happens at Santa Neal, whether we like it or not. There's going to be so much focus and attention there, so we all have to root for a a very successful meet, a very safe meet, and that uh, all the procedures that they put in to implement for the the performers, the uh, athletes, and also for the the track itself uh, work, and uh, we have a a minimum number of fatalities. We'd love to have zero, but it it's probably not going to be possible to have zero fatalities, but to keep it as minimal as possible.
1: All right. Well, we're doing the year in view in uh, review with which uh, Rich Eng, and let's go back to the first Saturday in May. I. Maximum Security disqualified in the Kentucky Derby. I believe the first time in history it happened to a Derby winner during the running of a race. And since then, he's had an interesting career with uh, getting sick and missing races, and then all of a sudden coming back. And I mean, his cigar mile was absolutely through the roof.
4: Yeah, that was really quite a race. And uh, John, I can't remember if if you had me on before the Derby, but as far as my uh, handicapping and selections for the triple crown. I actually did pretty well because I did pick maximum security to win the Kentucky Derby. And Even though we crossed the finish line first, I didn't get paid like, like many others. And I did have Sir Winston as my top choice in the Belmont. But you know, the thing with maximum security is uh he, uh, he became a lightning rod in the, the, the horse racing industry. Uh, Gary West brought a lot of it upon himself because he was talking about suing the Kentucky state racing commission and trying to get the, the disqualification overturned. But, you know, I'll, I'll give uh, him and I'll give uh, his trainer, Jason service a lot of credit because they basically uh, reset the season for the second half and plotted out a, a, a managed to schedule that really gave this horse a chance to be the champion three-year-old, you know, by winning uh, you know a couple of key races at the end of the season, including the cigar mile where he beat all their horses. So um, I'm an eclipse voter. I, I, I think you are too. And, um, you know he might have uh, done enough to to win that category, and uh, but we got a lot of other categories to think about too from, from horse of the year on down. But big year for Maximum Security, a-
1: absolutely, <clears throat> and a big year for uh, Bricks and Mortar and Matoli. I mean, both of them uh, just looked unbeatable. But we all know everybody can lose a race now and then. Um, mm-hmm. What do you what do you think in, in that photo finish? It think, seems like most people are giving the nod to Bricks and Mortar.
4: Uh, yeah, he probably, you know, I'll have to, you know, I've got all the PPs in front of me. In fact, I've got the, uh, the racing form eclipse award, uh, of past performances that came in the mail yesterday and I've got that. So I'll be voting probably over this weekend and I'll, I'll take a look at it a little bit closer, but you know, I know from previous years of voting for the eclipse awards, you hear some of the arguments about, uh, you know, you prefer like, uh, like an older horse, a handicapped horse, you know, a handicapped female horse. And horses that are like strictly grass horses, there haven't been that many horses of the year that have been grass horses, maybe a wise Dan or a John Henry, a Kodish going back a ways. And certainly um, very few horses of the year that have ever been sprinters, you know, basically one-turn animals. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a different year in a, in a sense that these horses have specialties, but they have excelled in their divisions. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, no, I don't think anyone's going to really want to denigrate what they've done but uh, they've accomplished at the highest level. So, um, you know, it's going to be close, but, you know, Bricks and Water probably, uh, probably has a small edge uh, to me, but uh, Matoli is a horse that, uh, except for that one uh, race at uh, Saratoga, he would have had a perfect season too.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, let's, let's hit some more highlights or perhaps in this instance a low light, the changing of the Pegasus stakes and the impact it's having on horses that may go in another direction.
4: Yeah, that was you know I I, I don't know how they're going to dress it up and and say that, that this was something that was in their game plan, but that to make these changes so close to the actual race itself uh, it doesn't doesn't quite uh, pass the spell test. But I know they're under a lot of pressure with the Pegasus World Cup, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, there's so much money available in uh, Dubai and Saudi Arabia. You know, later on uh, a few months down the road, and uh, even though uh, there is a possibility of some horse. You know, competing in uh, all of those destinations. Uh, in reality, when you have a chance to run for 20 million instead of three million, you know, your your options are pretty much uh, made up for you. So, uh, it's the landscape uh, changed dramatically from when they first had the Pegasus World Cup, uh, the first running.
1: Absolutely, it has. It'll be very interesting. Okay, let's go to a place I know you're familiar with. Big changes in northern Kentucky and Kentucky as a whole to keep now a year-round circuit going with the acquisition of Turfway Park by
4: Churchill Downs. I, I tell you what, I have some uh, sweat, blood, and tears at the park. I know you too, uh, You do too, John. You helped me out many times during the, some of the Jim Beans that we worked together. And But uh, I, I spent a lot of good years in northern Kentucky as the PR director there and so I'm real happy to hear that uh, the track is not going to go away, but it's going to come back stronger than ever with the Churchill Downs brand. And um, are, are they actually going to, like, knock down the Grandstand Clubhouse and, and build it a brand-new one? Because if that's yes, the case, they that are. Could be really exciting. Wow.
1: Yeah, and they, they need that's, it that's bad. Really Rich, they haven't put a coat of paint on it since you were working there.
4: <laughs> oh, it's the same old Battleship Gray? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And
4: oh, my Bruce, goodness.
1: It's peeling and falling on your head, so – uh, but I'll tell you what, I don't know if you looked at the overnights, but the purses, I don't know if they've ever been this strong. So I look at it as a positive. You and I both know a lot of people that work there and, um, mm-hmm. you know, God bless them. You know, that they, they hung through it. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be a downtime while they construct a new track, but, uh, uh, for you know, you can say a lot of things about Churchill, but I think in this case they're they're being the good guys by by sweeping in. So it'll be interesting. And I'm really happy to see that you know purses are back up there. The people we know, um, you know, are, are going to be able to continue employment there. Everybody from the gate crew to the racing office. So uh, with that said, I know you're looking forward to the Oakland Park meet. Gosh, they, there's nobody that has a bad word to say about that place.
4: Yeah, you know that's one of the few racetracks, John, left in America that I've never been to. That is on my bucket list, oh. and I would love to get out there. I got to get out there. Would bring the about Oakland? I'm oh, No, yeah, I, I will do it. But the, you know, I'm i been really excited about reading what I've read about this Oak Lawn meat, the condition book, the purse structure, and then I've seen uh, a lot of horsemen from Southern California talk about sending strain of animals to. Oakland to race, and, you know, even if, say, a couple hundred horses from Santa Anita and California go out there, you know, it's dirt only, so, you know, that's that's okay, but I think it really will lift the quality of the racing even more. The purse structure, obviously, is high, and you've seen some of the jockeys that are going to go out there. I know Joe Joe Tallum is going to go out there, and Martin Garcia from uh, the West Coast. Maybe there's some guys from the East Coast heading out there, too, with that kind of money being thrown around.
1: Well, you you can hear it from me, Rich. You got to go. It's like it's missing out on Saratoga or missing out on Keeneland, you know, uh, Del Mar. You know, this is definitely on your list. You'll find out the amazing thing is the feeling about Oaklawn. As good as the racing's getting and the horsemen and everything else about it is the whole city just surrounds it and it's so such a positive vibe and they put on a great program. So you got to go there, Mr. Ring. I'm telling you, and you won't regret it. I guarantee you that. Well, I've only got about two minutes left, rich of the highlights of the season. What, what have I left off the
4: year in review? Um, I'm trying to, 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 to think through things. Um, you know, we uh, the horses you mentioned of uh, Bricks and Mortar and Metoli have, have been the top of the heap. The uh, three-year-old division was uh, pretty much a mishmash the entire season. I mean, when you think about the Triple Crown, the Haskell, the Travers, you know, things like that, everybody was taking turns beating one another. So, uh, but, you know, one thing I kind of hope for is that a lot of these horses do stick around our races, four-year-olds, because that is really where we need our stars to develop is uh, not to, you know, Retire after a two-year-old or a three-year-old season, but the race at four and five. So hopefully that trend will, will continue and then pick up some more.
1: And after they retire, I hope they stay here. I mean, uh, come on! Oh, In yeah. a span of less than two months, we had three Derby winners <laughs> exported. You know, uh, we, Animal Kingdom, uh, California Chrome, Super Saver. Then we got classic runner ups like Bodie Meister. And I understand that Always Dreaming is even bound for Turkey. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. Maybe we got enough good stallions here. Uh, but uh, I, And I do think most of these horses leave with a caveat that they, they can come back if the farm wants to spend enough money to get them back. But it's strange to see all these horses leaving uh, the U.S. when you, you're, you know, you. you made your legend here in front of the fans of of America so you know it- in addition to hoping that they race late, I hope after they do go to stud, they stick around for a couple of years. Well, Riching, I can't thank you enough. I hope you and Sandy have a fantastic uh, uh, Christmas, holiday season, whatever the heck you call it out there in Vegas. Of course, you know almost every day is Christmas out there. There's so many lights and things happening. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just uh, I, I wish you the best. I thank you for joining us tonight. And please stay in touch, my friend.
4: I will do. This is uh, a goodbye for 2019, but I'm sure we'll be talking quite often during 2020. i uh, love to come on the show whenever, you, whenever you'd like me to have, uh, to be on.
1: You're one of our favorite guests. That's Rich Eng, stationed out in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm John Engelhart. wishing you happy holidays. I want to thank my producer, Josh. You got no idea how he helps me along during the airing of a show. And I just wish the best for you and we've still got some good racing coming up this weekend we talked a, a little bit about the mr prospector a lot of good races down at the fairgrounds but you can't handicap every race all by yourself so come on over and join our easy win forms that had a slew of big winners this week from golden gate to gulf stream park for everybody at winning ponies i'm john Engelhart. merry christmas everyone